This podcast is brought to you by Aetna. Learn how Aetna is working to build a healthier world by visiting aetnastory.com. Dora, have you given any thought as to how you want to bring in 2020? I can't believe we're coming into a new year. Yes, we're hosting in partnership with the Gasparilla Inn a wellness experience on January 27th in Boca Grande, Florida. What's going to happen down there? We're going to be doing cooking demonstrations. We're going to be walking on the beach. We're going to be doing yoga every morning. We're going to be learning from world-class teachers on how to take better care of ourselves. I mean, it's just going to be amazing. So go to our website, bbrconsulting.us, to learn more and to sign up. And we look forward to seeing you on January 27th. Can't wait to see you all there. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. We're thrilled to have World Series national champion Ryan Zimmerman here in the studio with us today. Ryan was born in North Carolina and eventually moved to Virginia Beach, Virginia, which is where his passion for baseball took off and later led him to play at the University of Virginia. He is nicknamed Mr. National as he has been a member of the Washington Nationals since his debut on September 1, 2005. Ryan Zimmerman was drafted in the first round as the fourth overall pick by the Nationals. Since then, Ryan has broken so many records, helped lead the team to their first ever World Series 2019 win, and is truly a hometown hero. Ryan, we are so happy you're here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We have a lot of great guests on Health Gig, but you're our first world champion. So, <laughs> yes, um, so welcome. Right. Welcome. We are absolutely <laughs> thrilled. And so, we thought we'd begin by asking you how did your baseball journey begin? And did you always want to be a professional baseball player? Baseball for me, I guess, started like it does for everybody. You know, you play in the backyard, you play T ball. Both of my parents were athletes, both of my parents never let me and my brother be inside. So we were always outside doing something. Growing up, I played a ton of sports. I wasn't you know, solely playing baseball until probably high school. Up until then, I played basketball, played a little bit of football. So yeah, I mean, I don't really think I knew what I was gonna do until college almost. I wasn't very highly recruited out of high school. University of Virginia was the only big school that came and they came really, really late. I was either gonna go to UNC Wilmington, JMU, or I think UNC Charlotte. Later in my senior or junior year summer, Virginia came in. You know, they offered me a lot less than the other schools, but I wanted to go to a bigger school. And obviously it was a great academic school and thought that I couldn't pass up the opportunity. So baseball was, I was kind of a late bloomer, I guess, if you want to call it that. But I thought I'd go to school with it. And then I had a really good freshman year in college. And from there is when I kind of thought maybe I have a chance to do something further with this. Yeah. I loved college. I think everyone should go to college. Baseball-wise, I talk to kids who get drafted out of high school all the time. And for me to go play professional baseball at age, I was 17 when I came out of high school. Never to be on your own really before that, I think it would be tremendously hard. To me, to go to school, to have that college experience where you get away from your parents, you get to learn how to live on your own with other kids doing it at the same time, and to get to go to school, because the truth is, it's probably not going to work out. You're not going to become a, right. a professional baseball right. player. Right. And if they're going to pay for you to go ahead and get your degree or work towards it, you know, say you go three years like I did, 
then go play baseball and it doesn't work out. You only have a year of school left and then, you know, you're prepared for the real world, as we like to call it, because baseball is not the real world. I did my three years and haven't been back since. Do you have friends from college still? Some guys that you played ball with back then? And oh, yeah. Yeah, we keep in touch. Heather and I were just actually at a wedding the weekend after Christmas in Charleston for one of my baseball buddies. You're with those guys so much. I mean, you know, when everyone goes on spring break, we're at school. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about sports. So starting at a young age, and obviously now professionally, you devote so much time to it. You sacrifice a lot of things, and it's well worth it, and I would never change anything. But, you know, I haven't done anything in the summer really for fun since I was probably 15 or 16 years old. So... <laughs> I'll hopefully play a couple more years, and then honestly, I think I'm going to be excited to be able to go on like a family vacation during the right. summer somewhere. We always have to go in the winter somewhere warm, and <laughs> our travels summer, are restricted a little yeah, bit. This exactly. summer, you came and visited yes, us all, up in Maine, and because you were injured. And the All-Star break, if you're not at the All-Star game, you play on Sunday, and then you don't have to be back usually until Thursday. So yeah. that's our big break. People don't realize how yeah. many games we play, I think. 162 games in right around 185 days. We all do see it as a game, and it's what you do at your job. From our perspective, it's like, wow, it's, you know, but you're working. It's a fine line with us as well, because the reason why you got into baseball is because you loved the game. All of us still love the game. When you learn the business side of it, you see teammates traded, cut, or essentially fired, I guess is the easier way to explain it. You realize that there is a business side to it as well. You have to kind of learn how to marry those two opposing views. At the end of the day, it's still fun. Yeah. I get to play baseball for a living. It's hard work, but it should be. I mean, I think my dad always used to tell me, you know, someone's trying to take your job just like anyone else. You have to continue to have fun and enjoy it. But at the same time, you do have to work hard. And just like anything else, if you don't work hard and perform, then someone else is going to take your job. How do you do that and sustain that for 15 years in your case? You can never be set in your ways. The people that are lucky enough to play for a long time obviously are talented, but the most talented people don't always pan out. Baseball is a huge mental game. Baseball, golf, I think, are similar where you have to have that side of the game as well. Just pure talent doesn't carry you all the way. Have you always had that, the mental aspect of it? I was young, so I have a September birthday. Now that I have two kids, I know why my parents were like, you're going to school. We're not waiting till next year. <laughs> they wanted to get me out of the house. I shouldn't say it like that. They probably assessed the situation and thought I was ready. When I graduated high school, I was 17. So that first part of that first semester in college, I was only 17 years old. So physically, sports-wise, I was always kind of a year behind the people I was mm -hmm. playing with. So physically, my maturity was lacking. So I had to make up for it, I think, mentally and learn the game and be in the right places and yeah. try and find an advantage over the kids that were physically ahead of me. So I think that really helped my development because once my physical side caught up, I was ahead. You had the mental. Mental side. And then, you know, you put those together and now we're here 15 right. years later 15 talking years about later, it. Yeah. And you're Mr. National. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like huh? to be called Mr. National? All that stuff. I shy away from all that stuff because it makes, it doesn't make me feel awkward. I just hate talking about myself. I love talking about baseball. I love talking about the team. And baseball is such a team sport. And there's so many other people that have done amazing things for the organization and the city. But it is cool for me to be able to have played my entire career in one place. I'm very grateful for that. In this day and age, it just doesn't happen. Not because people don't want it to happen. It's just, it takes sacrifices on both sides. What do you do to prepare to play? When I got called up in September of 05, I was 20 years old. Age 20 to 25, you could do whatever you want. You could eat whatever you want. You could not really take care of yourself that well and still rebound and still perform. 
basically 25 to 30 is where you start to learn. I can't do that stuff anymore, especially as a professional athlete. I'm going to have to start taking care of myself. I'm not going to be able to maybe stay out as long (laughs) as I have in the past. You just have to pick your spots a little bit better. Basically from age 30 to 35, where I'm at now, I think you take both of those experiences and kind of combine it. And the biggest thing I've changed over the last five years is probably food and just being more aware of sleep, prioritizing how many things you say yes to. A lot of those younger years, you're only worrying about one person. I think as you get married and then have kids, you obviously have to share your time with more people. When you're playing every day, you have to really almost not be selfish, but just know what you need to do to take care of yourself. You just seem so balanced. I think it's because you're a Libra. I'm very type A. As Heather would say, it's like a gift and a curse for me because I'm very organized where Heather's the other way, where (laughs) I'll walk into a room and things will be everywhere, (laughs) but I can ask her where something is (laughs) and she knows knows exactly where it's at. (laughs) So it's funny to see how people are different, but things work differently. Mm -hmm. So for me, whether it's diet, whether it's the way I prepare for a game. So how do you prepare for a game? You know, every day for a home game, we stretch right around 4.30. So I usually get there, I'm done with lunch by 2.30. So that gives me two hours. I'll go to the training room, I'll do things. If I have some stuff that's banged up or I need some treatment, I do that. Then you go into the weight room and I have to go through sort of an activation kind of thing to make sure I keep all my ailments away. And I call it the old man workout (laughs) where, you know, you spend more time getting ready to work out than you actually do working (laughs) out. At that point, I'll have about 15 or 20 minutes of free time where I'll watch the pitcher that you're going to face that night. So I'll usually do that and prepare that way. And then I'll go down to the cage and start doing just my daily work that I do with the hitting coaches. And at 4.30, we stretch as a team, batting practice on the field. You take ground balls, you do your work out there. Six o'clock, I'll get dressed. And then usually, I think it's, we play at 7.05. I usually go out at 6.55 and and run and do all the stuff on the field and get ready. And then 7.05 is game time. And then about 10.30, you're back in. You eat dinner. Then you're home by midnight if you're lucky. Get some sleep and then do the exact same thing. (laughs) Next day. If I'm at home, I'll wake up and if it's during school, I'll wake up and take the girls to school. Obviously, during the summer, they come to the game, so they're up late. They usually sleep in. School has made it a little tricky. I've seen it firsthand, but you're a great dad. And how has parenthood changed you? It's hard. It's really hard. Um, yeah, we know, right, Trisha? Yeah, we uh, have eight kids between us. Yeah, it's the greatest challenge you'll ever have, I think. And people are always like, oh, being a parent is so great. And it is. But there's sometimes where you're like, man, this is the worst thing I've ever had to do. You know, like you said, those are the best parents, the ones that care. You just have to be around. I remember growing up, me and my brother, every night, I wouldn't say we'd sit down and eat dinner, but we would always, my parents were always around at night, but they would always make a point to ask how your day was. What'd you do today in school? Or how was this? Or how was that? And sometimes you can remember you and your brother being like, oh my God. (laughs) But you know, those nights when you did want to talk about something, they were there. They were there. And I think, not that I noticed that more, but I think we've gotten away from that as far as just communicating with your kids. Sometimes you you just want to tell someone about it. And then if it was a problem, you told someone about it and the little problem is now gone and it doesn't keep like snowballing. I think just communication and being there, I think that's what my parents always taught me, just be there for your kids. If you can do that when they're young, they'll trust you more and talk to you more even when they get older, when those things are big problems and just being around is the most important thing, which 
is hard for me sometimes because yes, I'm gone so much. Away. <laughs> but Trisha and I have a theory on life about parents. And if you're blessed to have good parents, which both of us feel very lucky, and it sounds like you also had good parents, that you have that foundation in life that just sustains you and you have less issues as you go through life. Tell us a little bit about your mom. We know you started a foundation in her honor. She was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 95. I was 11, 12. I don't remember when in 95 she was. So that makes my brother would have been nine. Both my parents grew up athletic. My dad played baseball, football. He was a really good football player, got hurt his junior or senior year in high school, so kind of ended that. And he actually played baseball in college. And my mom was a better athlete than my dad. She went to school and played lacrosse up in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Played lacrosse, basketball, field hockey, all that kind of stuff. So they were both very active people, always outside, always doing something. And they actually owned a fitness center in Washington. So my mom did all the cool 80s aerobics stuff. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then we moved to Virginia Beach because my mom got a teaching job there. So they sold the fitness center. They moved there. She taught special, special ed K through yeah. five. My dad kind of just found jobs for a while just to make money pretty much. He ended up getting a job with the city for Parks and Rec, and he was in charge of athletics at a recreation center there for 24 years. By then, I was well-established, and I was like, Dad, you don't need to do this anymore. And then about that time is when he was starting to do more stuff with my mom. When things were starting to escalate on her side a little bit, it was just time for him not to work anymore. And just like everyone, you have times where you don't like your mom and dad, but through the good times and the bad times, I think they're just present, I think, is, is the most important thing. Ryan, how did your mom's MS affect you growing up? MS has come a long way. Just the information about the disease, the different types of diseases. It took them almost, I think, two years to diagnose her. They thought it was Lyme's disease. They didn't really know what was going on. I think that was the hardest part for my parents at first. They didn't really know what it was, what to expect. And then when they finally kind of diagnosed her, obviously they told me and my brother and they said, listen, it could be a lot worse. She's still going to live for a long time. It's just, you don't, we don't know what's going to happen over this next period of time. And we're just going to deal with it. And I think from there we kind of did... She continued to teach for two or three years to the point where she would start to get tired at the end of the day. She would have to use a cane, then a walker, then a wheelchair, and then to the point where it was just she couldn't do it anymore. Obviously, my dad's still working. Me and my brother had to learn to do more stuff stuff around the house. Probably a 16-year-old me would not have to know. And then, like, now we both know how to cook. We know how to do laundry. You know, we kind of speed up life a little bit. And at the time, you didn't think of it that way. But I think it's obviously shaped who we are as people. It kind of puts things in perspective a little bit and makes you be able to kind of shrug off the small things a little bit better that maybe other people kind of dwell on for too long. Mm-hmm. And maybe a little more humble and empathetic. I mean, empathetic for sure. They were always that way and me and my brother just kind of watched them and yeah. and followed their lead. And how's your mom now? You said she's... She does well. I mean, she's been wheelchair bound for close to 15 years now. Mm. We always glass half full instead of glass half empty. You know, I think it could be worse. There's a lot of people who are diagnosed with MS. And, you know, the good thing with her is, you know, her mental clarity, her eyesight, things like that are still very good. They recently got one of those Alexas, which is (laughs) uh, so she can tell Alexa to call people. Uh, That's been fun. Some of them can do the video calls. I don't know if we have one, but my brother has one so they can they can do they can talk. So that's been awesome for her because the biggest thing for anyone is the independence. Just think about what you do on a daily basis as an adult. You can do whatever you want, you know, and I think when something like that gets taken away, 
that's the hardest thing for the person and the people around them, especially me and my mom were very similar as far as the type A. And that's where I get that from. And I can't imagine not being able to, to do, do the stuff yeah. that I do around the house and then having to tell someone to do it because then you feel like right. you're just wearing these people out, you know, but I think that's the toughest part for her, for sure. You know, it's amazing what she does because so many people would be miserable. I think she always has a great attitude and it's pretty special. And your dad must be pretty remarkable. He grinds it out as well. Like I said, she's that type A personality. Right, so he's the... <laughs> um, so I don't want to say, he gets, wor- I don't say he gets worn out. But, uh, you know, there's times where the situation is tough for him. I mean, nobody wants to see their wife, loved one, anyone go through something like that. But then once that wears off and you're back in real life, you have to figure out how to make it work. You know, the foundation is a lot about finding a cure, but we also do stuff with caregivers or helping people try and enhance their situation for everyday life. And you are married to the lovely Heather. (laughs) I think I read or my brother Marvin told me that she plays a really important role with the Nationals or at least with the families and is a great mentor and support to other families on the team. Major League Baseball, it's funny. You know, the wives all go through the same thing. I mean, their husbands are gone. Basically, I'm home for a week and gone for a week for seven months out of the year. And then spring training, we go down middle of February and come back up here basically beginning of April. Our team, we're very lucky. They're a great group of wives and families. They all get along. You don't always have that. You get some interesting people, interesting wives, interesting girlfriends. Some of the stories and things that I've seen in 15 years are things that I never thought I would see. So, there, I mean, you, you get that people coming from all over the world, all, you know, different backgrounds. Basically, any questions kind of go to her. She does a good job with welcoming new people to the team, letting them know anything that we can do to help. We know the area. We have so many resources and connections for people that the guys all ask me a lot of questions, and then the wives or the girlfriends or whoever always mm-hmm. ask Heather. So the organization does a really good job as well. I mean, the girls love going to the games not to see, see me play, friends. but to hang yeah. out with, with their baseball friends. And yeah. They can all go into the family room during the game. They actually have babysitting and child care down there, so if the wives want to drop the kids off and actually go well, act like they're watching right. the game, but, but sit in the stands and maybe have a glass of wine right. or just relax for yeah. an hour or so and watch their husbands. You know, right. it's such a busy life that they're basically doing everything when we're gone. Obviously, we're very lucky to be doing what we're doing. And mm-hmm. when you talk to people and, oh, well, you guys shouldn't complain, you, you know, it's not complaining. It's no. more letting you know or venting about the situation because, yeah. You know, there's times where we'll be on the road and I'll come in from batting practice. You pick up your phone and there's like 12 text messages. <laughs> You're like, oh boy, it was a tough day at home. And you kind of read the text messages and it goes through like the whole <laughs> emotional roller coaster. But like, I'll go home and she'll go out to dinner with her girlfriends and I'm home with them for like two or three hours. And I'm like, man, she does this all yeah. day long for a week or sometimes 10 right. days. It's amazing what they do. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. Thank it's you. way harder than baseball. Yeah, I'll 100% <laughs> give them that. Way harder. We all know you've been with the Nats for 15 years. Can you express how <laughs> joyful and grateful you were when that last out was made in Houston? It's just been such a crazy decade and a half where... You know, we were so bad. And then 05 to 08, we were owned by Major League Baseball. The learners hadn't bought the team yet. So I always say those three years don't even really count. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's no chance you're going to win. Basically just kind of getting the team down here, almost getting it settled in. And then once the learners bought the team, 
and we got the new stadium, I feel like that's kind of when the organization really started. But then from 08 to 12, it was tough. You know, we were losing 95, 100 games. You know, losing was terrible, but I just felt lucky to be in the situation I was in. So I kind of just tried to do the best that I could, get the most experience that I could, and then kind of go from there. And then from 2012 on is when we started winning and the expectations kind of all culminated with obviously the run mm-hmm. that we went on this year. It's been fun to kind of be a part of all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the pretty. <laughs> um when the last that was made, it's almost like you couldn't yeah. couldn't believe it. We were up, I think we were up six to two. So we were up four runs. And even with, mm-hmm. when you're up four runs with two outs, you're like, you know, because there's so many like the superstitions <laughs> and yeah, the jinxes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I don't really believe in a lot of that stuff. But at that moment, you're like, just get the last out. Just get the last. Because, you know, crazy things have yeah. happened in baseball. <laughs> so the way that it happened, it's hard to explain like, what you were feeling at that moment. I think when you've worked so hard for something, when you've done it, like we were talking about, since you were four or five years old, and at that point, nobody's thinking about that. Mm-hmm. But you think about all the things that have happened in your life, what you've done to kind of get to the top, to get to the pinnacle of what you've worked on. It's pretty special. Yeah. Who are your mentors or who do you consider your mentors? And were you imagining what they were doing when you won? <laughs> I've been lucky to have so many good people along the way that there's not one or two. Growing up in Virginia Beach, going to University of Virginia, being drafted here, I basically have spent my whole life within like a five-hour circle. So the amount of people that have helped me get to where I'm at, taught me whether it's one thing or a hundred things, for me, it's, it's been such a collection of people. It was fun to see a lot of the text messages and a lot yeah. of the calls, and it was a heck of a ride, man. Yeah. It, was, it was unbelievable. Talking to so many people here about how everyone was a zombie at work because the, the games are so late and people are going so to bed at 1 true. or 2 in the morning and waking up at 6.30 to go to work. It's pretty cool to think back to kids and yeah. their parents. Like It's just a memory that people will share that nobody can ever take away from you. So, Ryan, now that you've reached the top, do you still want to keep playing baseball? Yeah, I think uh, Good. for me, I still love playing, but more importantly, I still, I say enjoy doing, I don't know if I enjoy it all the time, but doing like what we were talking about earlier, like the grind of the day. Mm-hmm. Like the easiest part of the day for me now is playing the game. The hardest part is preparing yourself to play the game. And honestly, the hardest part is now, the off season. The older you get, you have to prepare more now than you do during the season. Monday through Friday, I'm doing something every day now to get ready for basically the season. And then, you know, the schedule that we talked about basically from 1.30 to game time and beyond is an everyday thing. And if you take one or two days off, that's when you either get hurt or your performance dips. So I think the second that I don't have that passion for not the game, but the stuff mm-hmm. that makes you be able to perform in the game, that's when it'll be time to go home. It was funny the other day, you know, because I still am not signed and <laughs> me and Heather were talking and I'm like, man, the longer that I'm not signed and I played like a round of golf down in Virginia Beach with my dad and my friends and I'm like, man, this is kind of nice. And, and going back to the type A personality, I've been home for a month or two and then Heather's like, you need to go do something. <laughs> you, you need to get out of the house. You need, and I'm like, well, you know, this is kind of nice. I could play some golf. I could, could maybe, I, maybe I just won't play. And Heather's like, you need to play. <laughs> she looked at me and she's like, you need to play. And I'm like, all right, well, we'll figure something out. But I have to ask you, you've been outnumbered by women in the Zimmerman household. So are you ready for some male companionship? 
Yeah, glitter and sparkles <laughs> and pink and purples. And I always tell the story where I got to the field one day and I was undressing to put on my workout stuff and took my underwear off <laughs> and I went to hang my underwear up and there was a uh, like a unicorn sticker. <laughs> And that was like the first time where I was like, I am completely surrounded, completely outnumbered. But it's great. Girls are awesome. Before you have kids, and especially when you're an athlete or everyone's like, oh, you know, don't you want to have boys? You want to. And before you have a kid, I think you think you have an opinion on it. Once you realize, I think most importantly, how many things can go wrong health wise for not only the mom, for everybody. When you see the whole thing happen, you're like, man, I don't even care what it is as long as it's just healthy and the mom's healthy. So you get a new sense of you don't care anymore. And everyone honestly says, you know, like, would you be upset if you didn't have a boy? And truly, you don't care. So having the two girls has been really fun. I've learned a lot. But interestingly enough, the first one for sure is pure daddy's girl. I think me and her are tight and her and Heather already fight like they're teenagers. <laughs> like she's a teenager. Heather always jokes that she's 16 instead of, instead of six because sometimes we'll be laying in bed at night and she's like, man, I had an argument with Mackenzie today that she's like, I don't even, I thought this was, like, I feel like she's a teenager. So just um, wait. Yeah, that's what I, but me and her, I mean, we could honestly oh. go away for a week and we go see movies all the time. We do things. So it's been fun to see both of them. And then Hayden, is completely opposite she's a hurricane she's a maniac so it's it's fun to see their different personalities i've learned a lot about the disney princesses and and all of that so it's been a lot of fun we've determined that you're a great baseball player and a great family man what's something you're not good at (laughs) i'm not good at a lot of things I i think uh we keep going back to this type A person. I think I've been such a perfectionist. I mean, a lot of athletes are like that. That's the way I was taught. That's been ingrained in me. And I feel like I've gotten better at it. I don't think I'm bad at it, but separating life Mm -hmm. and work. And, you know, we live about 30 minutes from the field. Well, when I drive, it's 30 minutes. Heather will tell you when she drives, it's an hour and a half. But uh, (laughs) honestly, I think that's been good for me. I've never really been someone who brings baseball home or like if I have a bad game, it doesn't matter. But I think Heather sort of taught me how to let that stuff go and just enjoy the ride a Mm -hmm. little bit more. What else am I bad at? (laughs) (laughs) It's not a very nice question. Yeah. But that's a really good point, that idea of sort of enjoying the ride. Because now you probably are towards the end of your career, right? (laughs) No, it's okay. You can say it. It's it's a good thing, too, I think. (laughs) I've been lucky enough to play in the playoffs a lot. But a lot of people don't even get a chance to do that. But then so many great players have never won a championship. So for that to happen kind of at this point in my career, when you really don't know what's going to happen over the next year, two years, whatever it is, that was pretty cool. That's the timing of it. It didn't look like it was going to happen this year. It was the years past we've been supposed to win. And those were the years where we were the favorites to win. And sports and baseball, I always say, I think, parallel life. You fail a lot in baseball. You're tested mentally a lot in baseball. Probably think about quitting a lot in baseball. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's some times where it just basically dominates you. Yeah. And you have to keep getting back up. and And that was like the story of our season. So. When I talk to kids, I always tell them baseball is such a great sport to play because it teaches you how to fail because life is about failure. I mean, yeah. I think in this day and age with social media and yeah. Instagram, like everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, everything that people post is right. perfect. And I think that's the challenge with younger kids is they think everyone's life is perfect. And failure is like 
probably the most important part of life because that's where you learn, you know, obviously who you are as yourself, but also how to react to that kind of stuff. You get fired from a job, you know, you interview for a job, you don't get it. Like some of these kids now, it's like it's the end of the world. And it's like, you just got to get up and keep going. Like that's what our parents went through. That's what their parents went through. And I think what we went through, unfortunately, I don't want to sound like an old guy on a, a soapbox <laughs> right now, but when you have kid, you start thinking about this kind of stuff because you want them to be able to deal with that stuff. Cause that's what makes you a good person. Yeah. Baseball kind of is such a great parallel. When I talk to the kids, like I was saying, like striking out three times in a game, yeah. I've done it more times than I probably would like to admit. Right. But, you know, the next day you got to come back and play again. Nobody right. cares if you hit three home runs or you struck out three times the day before. Today's a new right. day. So that's why yeah. I love sports. They're hard. It teaches failure. But then when you do succeed, it kind of makes all that right. stuff worth it. What do you see yourself? I mean, say you're 60. Maybe 70, because 60 is still really young. Right. Yeah, because we're 60. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah. maybe 70. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, me and Heather, when the girls go to sleep, we'll have a couple glasses of wine every now and then, and then if it's the off-season, we don't have anything going on, usually sometimes you'll have more than a couple glasses of wine. That's when we start talking about when we're going to be 60 and 70. And we'll be like, man, you know, we'll sell the house, actually be able to do stuff for our own, and then, like, we'll finish the conversation, we're like like 30 years from now. <laughs> what are we doing? But I think the next however many years yeah. are about your family and your kids yeah. and teaching them how to be a good person. You know, from there, they're going to make decisions. My parents always used to say, you know, you guys are going to make mistakes. Just make sure they're not big mistakes. Right, right, <laughs> you know, right. make sure they're, learn from them. you know, learn from them. And like, you know, me and my brother used to ride our bikes everywhere. <laughs> they used to tell us, hey, be home by six o'clock for dinner. And right. I feel like kids don't do that anymore. And I think that really made... Me and my brother, who we are, is we learned responsibility, but at the same time, they just let us go be kids. And right. you don't see, mm -mm. and rightfully so, people are afraid of their kids getting right. But something. I don't know if it's any more prevalent now than it was back then. Right. But you just want to give your kids the best chance to be independent and mm -hmm. make their own decisions and mm -hmm. get out of their way, I guess. At some point, you got to let them let, let them, them be them, you know? Right, but, uh, but it's fun Those to are the see. conversations that go along with yeah. two or three glasses of wine, <laughs> and you're, you're solving all the world's yeah. problems. Ryan, who was your favorite baseball player growing up? And not only just the favorite player, because they were good, but also as a role model. Growing up, it was two guys, Cal Ripken Jr. and Chipper Jones. Growing up in Virginia Beach, Baltimore was a, basically the closest team, and then obviously Cal was like the man, you know, playing with the same team, just the way he played the game. He played every day, obviously, with the streak that he had. And you just never heard really a bad thing about him. And then Chipper was kind of the young guy when I was coming up. The Braves were always on TV. He wore his pants up when in Little League, I wore my pants <laughs> up for Chipper Jones. So every kid has kind of their guy that they follow. I think Cal was more the guy that I looked up to because he was the model of professionalism. Mm -hmm. Everyone looked up to him as just the way he went about his business. And then Chipper Jones was kind of the new young guy that was the next great thing. And he was exciting to watch. We didn't live close enough to go to the games. I never really went to Major League Baseball games, but watching them on TV and collecting baseball cards mm -hmm. and doing things like that, those are the two guys that I always wanted to keep up with. Did you meet them or have you met them or have they met you? <laughs> so actually my debut September 1st of 05 was in Atlanta. I didn't play that day, but I remember going out there for batting practice and Chipper Jones was obviously <laughs> there hitting. And you're like, man, this is a guy you looked up with and now you're on the same field. And then I never played against Cal, but I've had a chance to meet him a bunch. And we've done a couple of charity things together. And it's a pretty tight brotherhood where we give each other advice, we can help each other. But those two guys and being able to meet them and kind of hang with them over the last 10 to 15 years has been a pleasure. What's the best advice you've ever received? 
My mom and dad, they always told me and my brother to work the hardest when no one is watching. Because mm. I think that's what kind of separates. And it's not just in sports, it's in anything that you do. If you're at the office, everyone's going to work hard when their boss is there. If maybe you're in your cubicle or wherever and nobody's watching when you're really grinding it out. You know, if you want to get ahead in life, you got to work harder than people. Nothing's given to you. Everyone's going to work hard when they're supposed to. That's on really, the on that's spot, really that's the best thing I got for you. That's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. good. That's really good. And then do you have a favorite quote? My dad would always say, luck is preparation met by opportunity. So everyone mm-hmm. says, oh, you're lucky and <laughs> oh, you're unlucky. And it's like, obviously, there's lucky things that happen. Like a scratch off ticket is right, lucky that's if lucky, you win. Right. You can't prepare to win mm-hmm. a scratch off ticket. Right. <laughs> but everyone says, oh, well, you know, look at this guy and his career. Everything's gone his way. Well, I think you kind of make your own luck. I mean, if you work hard and prepare, you might not know what you're preparing for at the time, but if you're out there working hard and you're doing things and you're making yourself better, mm-hmm. when the opportunity arises, you don't know what the opportunity is, but you're going to be ready for it. And it's because you've worked hard. You weren't lazy. You weren't sitting around waiting for something mm-hmm. good to happen. You were preparing for it, even though at the time you didn't know what you were preparing right. for. I think, oh, he's lucky or, oh, he's unlucky or like, uh, I don't really believe in that stuff. I think, you know, you're either going to go attack life or you're going to sit back and those are the unlucky people. Oh, I'm just going to sit back and wait for something. Oh, (laughs) I never catch any breaks. Well, you you never prepare yourself to take advantage of the breaks that you do. So you always fail. Stop blaming other people. Get going. You know, you got to be ready to take advantage of your opportunities. You only get so many. Mm Mm-hmm. Ryan, it's been such oh a joy so having you fun. on Health Gig. Yeah. You're amazing. We're so thank proud you. of you. We are so and proud of you. thank you for being with yeah. us. Thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs>